I'm Steph. And I'm Drew. And you're listening to Spirited Spirits. March 26, 1997, a phone call was answered by the San Diego Sheriff's Department. Yes, I need to make an anonymous tip. Who do I need to talk to? Okay, this is regarding what? This is regarding a mass suicide. I can give you the address. A single deputy arrived at the scene, a mansion outside of Colina Norte, later changed to Pasnino, Victoria, a rancho, Santa Fe, California. He cautiously entered the residence through a side door, seeing ten bodies, and was met with a pungent smell aided by the hot California spring. But who were these people? Well, I think I have an idea. Right. Well, real quick, let's let people know we're drinking a cocktail tonight called the Mystic Charmer. Mm. The recipe's on our Instagram if you'd like to check it out. But back to the story. So to understand how we got here, we need to introduce Doe. Marshall Applewhite Jr. was the son of a Presbyterian minister by the name of Marshall Applewhite Sr. Marshall Jr. had a very religious upbringing, attending Corpus Christi High School and then Austin College with the aspiration of becoming a minister like his father before him. He fell for and married Anna Pierce at this time. And he had two, they had two children, Mark and Lane. In 1954, Marshall was drafted to the United States Army, serving in Austria and New Mexico. As part of the Marine Signal Corp, he left the military in 1956 to earn a musical theater degree from the University of Colorado. After graduating, Marshall went to the Big Apple with dreams of becoming a professional singer. However, he was unsuccessful. He moved and became a professor at the University of Alabama teaching music. This is where things started to spiral for him. In 1965, he loses his position for attempting to have a sexual relationship with a male student. He separated from his wife, which he found out about the affair, and went back to meet with his family. He disclosed to his mother and father that he was homosexual. And at this point, his father rejects him and casts him out. Which is interesting. I realize it's a different time and you know, the Presbyterian church then was in a different situation, but nowadays Presbyterians are very progressive and would be welcoming with him with open arms for coming out as homosexual. Right. And I mean, this is, again, this is, you know, quite a while ago. Yes, I know. You said it was 1954. Well, in the 50s, 60s, I suppose. Okay. So I want to, I want you to keep a pen in the relationship with the father piece for a little bit, because that does come up. A little bit later. Okay. So he lives in Houston for a while, becoming the chair in the music department at the University of St. Thomas. His students love his engaging personality, and apparently he was a very snazzy dresser. 
He resigns from his position in 1970, citing depression and emotional problems. However, some sociologists at the time believed it was due to another affair between Applewhite and a student. Mm. However, I couldn't find a lot of information on that. So spiraling further and further into a depressive state, he meets his soulmate, T, in 1972. So, and to be clear, his name is not really Doe. Right. It is Marshall Applewhite Jr. Correct. But he, we will find out, I guess, that he goes by Doe. Yes. And his quote-unquote soulmate goes by T, but obviously yes. has a different real name. Yes. Okay. So the exact story of how Doe and T meet is kind of unclear. Applewhite Doe says in one of his future recordings that he met T, Nettles, at a hospital while visiting a friend. However, there's some speculation that she was his nurse while he was in a psychiatric facility. Okay. Bonnie Nettles was born in August of 1927, raised in a Baptist family. As she grew up, she moved away from religion and studied theories more aligned in spiritualism, holding seances regularly to contact the dead. Oh, interesting. She believed that she could speak to a 19th century monk named Brother Francis, who would give her directions, and would visit fortune tellers that would state that she would meet a man with a fair complexion and light hair, matching the description of one Marshall Applewhite Jr. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. When the two of them meet, it's it's fate. The stars have aligned, and these two are destined to be together. But not in a sexual way, obviously, if right. he's gay. Right. Okay. They conclude that this isn't their first meeting, and that in their past lives they have found each other. Nettles tells Applewhite that their meeting was foretold by extraterrestrials, hmm. and that they are destined to complete a divine assignment. Okay. They immediately start living together platonically. This is not a sexual relationship, like we said. Yeah. Both broke off all contact with their family and started to travel together. They didn't have a lot of money, so they would sell their blood and do (gasps) like other like odd jobs to sell their blood. Like yeah, like you know they would like sell like you know what (laughs) people sold their blood. Don't you just give it for free nowadays? I I guess, but this is this is like blood platelets or something like maybe more like uh, or what is it? Yeah, isn't it platelets? Yeah, you can. Yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead. That, that really shook you there. I was like, you can sell your blood? <laughs> sorry. So in 1974, Applewhite was arrested for not returning a rental car in which he said he was divinely appointed to have the car. Oh. He served a six-month sentence. When he was released, he was re- ready to do research how to contact extraterrestrials and find like-minded followers. Okay. So the two, as they are, like, they call themselves to the two later. Okay. You're going to see, like, the, their names are, they, they they very much have, like, different names throughout like the entire Like, different, um, what's it called? They So their real names, you know, again, are Applewhite and Nettles. They start off with, and I'll get into that a little bit, but, like, Bo Peep type stuff because they have a flock. And then they shorten it to Doe and T because of... So these um, are all like nicknames or something that they've come up with themselves? It's not really nicknames. It's actually, they firmly believe like of shortening their their names and their personalities because their names don't really... It's, it's an earthly thing. Well, we'll get all into that. Okay. okay. <laughs> so, so the two. Yeah. The two start to publish flyers and advertisements for meetings to find members of, quote, the crew. They would disclose that the two were actually 
extraterrestrials hmm. and were tasked with preparing a select group of followers for the next level. Now, what is the next level? Yeah, I was going to say, is this a video game? No. <laughs> Are no. we leveling up? <laughs> I mean, in, I guess in a way that's what they believe. So okay. the next level is the next evolutionary stage, according to the two. And to prepare to leave the Earth, these followers had to meet that level. What does that sound like? I don't know. Scientology. Oh, yes. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very you. similar. So there's definitely some through lines between next level and Scientology, which was also starting to branch out around this time. So do you think that they got some of these ideas? Do you think they were researching I, L. Ron Hubbard? I, I'm wondering a little bit. Okay. Because, again, it, it was around the same time. And actually, some Scientologists actually converted to what will become Heaven's Gate during that time frame. Oh, really? So it's very interesting that both of these were very similar in their ideologies around the same time. So according to religious studies scholar Benjamin Zeller, Applewhite and Nettles' teachings were based in New Age theories, focusing on salvation through individualized growth potential which a high, with a high degree of personal choice. However, where it deviates is the inclusion of, you know, actual spaceships. Okay. And no Xenu or anything? No Xenu. <laughs> By the mid-70s, the two move away from the term religion to a more scientific ideology. Also, what does that sound like? Scientology. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? Okay, that's just going to always be the answer when you ask me what does that sound like. Yeah, yeah. Scientology. Got it. So by 1975, the two have about 70 followers and saw themselves as shepherds to a flock, changing their names to Bo and Peep for a while. Applewhite believed that to gain to the next level, the followers would have to dissolve themselves of every earthly distraction. This included family, friends, media, drugs, alcohol, jewelry, facial hair, and sex. Hmm. The followers were also instructed to leave their earthly names behind, adding Odie, O-D-Y, okay. to the end of their names. So I would be called Drew Odie, and you would be called Steph Odie. So what? Why? What's with the Odie? I couldn't find exactly why the Odie piece, but I think it was also just like to, to develop a new sense of self outside of your earthly presence. So a lot of this, the through line a lot with this cult is... Everything from our earthly body is bad. Everything that you have, like, with your earthly vessel is mm -hmm. bad, including your name. So we are going to give you a new name for the okay. next level. Okay. So that's that's kind of what my through-line thought process is. Gotcha. Okay. So due to media coverage of their gatherings, usually negatively painting them as a cult, they ceased all public meetings in 1975. Hmm. Traveling and staying at campgrounds, the followers didn't hear from the two on instructions or what the next step was. One ex-follower described it as the blind leading the blind. So at this point, uh, Applewhite and Nettles aren't really giving them a lot what of instructions. What the hell are they doing? So then? they just kind of like left them to their own devices. In the They're just like, here's a bunch of information. Now do with it mm -hmm. what you will. Correct. So another through line that I want to go ahead and point out um, there's not a lot of specific doctrine. It's pretty vague in a way. Huh. And so people were asking a lot of questions like, this doesn't make any sense. And 
as we go through, you'll see that they start pulling more and more away from the public eye because they don't have the answers to these questions because they are making it up. Right, they're making this shit up on the fly. Okay. um, Okay. So due to the negativity from the public and media, Applewhite and Nettles were fearful that they would be assassinated. Applewhite would also draw on the book of Revelations, especially Revelations 11, 1 through 14, Mm -hmm. which reads, And I will grant my two witnesses authority to prophecy for 1,260 days wearing sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the two lampstands that stand before the Lord of the earth. And if anyone wants to harm them, fire pours from their mouth and consumes their foes. Anyone who wants to harm them must be killed in this manner. They have authority to shut the sky so that no rain may fall down during the days of their prophesying. And they have authority over the waters to turn them into blood and to strike the earth with every kind of plague as often as they desire. When they have finished their testimony, the beast that comes up from the bottomless pit will make war on them and conquer them and kill them. And their dead bodies will lie in the street of the great city that is prophetically called Sodom and Egypt, which also their Lord was crucified. For three and a half days, members of the people and tribes and languages and nations will gaze at their dead bodies and refuse to let them be placed in a tomb. And the inhabitants of the earth will gloat over them and celebrate and exchange presents because these two prophets have been a torment to the inhabitants of the earth. But after the three and a half days, the breath of life from God entered them, and they stood on their feet, and those who saw them were terrified. Then they heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, Come up here. And they went up in heaven in a cloud while their enemies watched them. At that moment there was a great earthquake, and a tenth of the city fell. Seven thousand people were killed in the earthquake. And the rest were terrified and gave glory to the God of heaven. Only the two believed that a spaceship would abduct them and the followers after this happened, but only those that made it to the next level. So wait, wait, wait. Okay, so we're using we're using um, the Bible to justify, but then we're adding our own little flair at the end, where they're in addition to being these two witnesses, so, then we're going to be taken up. By a spaceship, which is clearly not biblical at all. Well, so the thing is, though, is that Applewhite, and I think Nettles, too, believe, and I get into this a little bit later, that um, Christ was actually an extraterrestrial. And so that the whole thing was that he came down, got crucified, and went back up in a spaceship. And so right. there's there's some, like... There's some paintings that they kind of look at and say, oh, well, like that's not really a cloud. That's a spaceship. Kind of like in Nope. You know, like in Jordan Peele's Nope. Yes. So it's kind of, it's kind of like, or even in Independence Day where like the, the spaceship is like in the cloud before it like comes out. It's kind of like that. So just kind of bear with me. I know. I'm just having a hard time because like you're mixing two it's it's you, just 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 bear and i know i know i know i've watched enough ancient aliens to know that this is like a thing i get it okay go ahead okay so in september of 1975 the followers of heaven's gate sold all their earthly possessions and left society behind to live in tents in campgrounds or on the street following in the two's doctrine they had very little to their name begging for food or doing odd jobs for money 
However, in the late 1970s, the group was handed a twist of fortune. Hmm. When one of the new followers used his trust fund to rent houses in Denver and then in Dallas. The group gravitated towards nice houses and nice, nice suburban neighborhoods, attempting to blend in. However, covering up their windows to keep their lives secret. Okay, so just real quick. So so we believe that, like, our bodies are the, these temples that we're in. We need to, like, put all these things aside because these earthly things are, like, mm-hmm. not important. But then we're going to have nice houses. I'll get to that. Okay. Kind of. All right. Okay. Just, all right. Go ahead. Okay. So behind these closed doors, Applewhite and Nettles prepared their fathers for the next level through a boot camp. They referred to their specific houses as their crafts. Oh. So there you go. Okay. So they're not their houses. They're their spacecrafts. Oh, okay. Okay. Gotcha. So they're just going to at any moment take up off the ground. Like just, okay. Members were constantly tested as Applewhite was looking for quality over quantity in regard to prospective next-level inductees. In 1980, there were about 80 followers of what will futurely be called Heaven's Gate. They also changed their name of, of their group pretty often. Okay. Okay. Uh, so, okay, go ahead, because I have a lot of questions, and I'll just wait till the end. <laughs> Okay. Leave all questions for the end. Yes. Go ahead. Leave all hands, arms, and feet inside the, the ride. Craft. And, and inside the craft <laughs> until we're done. Okay. Until we've reached our destination. Got which it. is the next level. Okay. Okay. Um, in 1983. I'm going to need another drink. Okay. Well, you're going to have to make Go it. ahead. Just go ahead. Okay. In 1983, Nettles was diagnosed with cancer and had an eye removed. So she lived on for two more years before passing away in 1985. Okay, so she, T, mm-hmm. T had eye cancer. She had cancer that had that she had to have an eye removed. I don't know if it was specifically eye cancer. Okay, and then she passed away. She passed away. Okay. So this wasn't part of the original plan. Well, yeah, they were supposed to be taken up in the spaceship mm-hmm. as the two witnesses. Mm-hmm. Now he's only one witness. Mm-hmm. Okay. The two were destined to be together forever leading this group of followers into the next level and off this planet away from it all. How could they do this when there was just now one Doe? Originally, Doe and T had taught these followers that when they ascended, their body would be changed to that of an extraterrestrial and to live out their days on a spacecraft. When Nettles was diagnosed with cancer, they observed her body succumb to the infiltration of cancer cells through those last two years. They are watching their entire ideology break apart in front of them and this is what's caused this is what causes which which is called cognitive dissonance within the group okay so explain what cognitive dissonance is All right. cognitive dissonance is a state of having inconsistent thoughts beliefs attitudes especially like as it relates to behavioral decisions attitude changes so at this point their keystone of their belief structure has deteriorated so doe has to scramble to change it Okay. Okay. Up to this point, he, they've taught these people, you know, oh, yeah, like when you ascend, your body is going to change into this extraterrestrial body. It's going to be better than your body that was here on Earth. You're not going to be broke anymore. But when she is like. When this she, temple has deteriorated. It's deteriorated. And, they, and it's also still on Earth. Like they bury her. Right. The body didn't change into an extraterrestrial body. So that change a thing and that's what causes that like shift in your brain like mm-hmm. 
well, everything I've been taught for 20 years doesn't make sense anymore. Right. So what am I doing here? Right. So like I said, like he scrambles to kind of change it ever so slightly. He tells them that she, well, she did ascend to the next level spiritually as her body had, quote, too much energy to remain on earth. Hmm. She had to abandon her vehicle, which is what they call the body, to make the journey. So as years progress, Doe changes the ideologies and the doctrine of Heaven's Gate frequently to continue his control over members. From changing the ascension from physical to spiritual to encouraging followers to call him Christ, who, like I said, he believed was an extraterrestrial that came down, was killed, and rose again, being carried off into a spacecraft. Lord, these people. Okay. Um, I think now's a good time to take a quick break. Sounds good. And make another drink. All right. Hi, y'all. This is Steph from uh, Spirited Spirits. While we're taking a quick break, I wanted to let you know how you can support the podcast. We've had several people reach out and ask us. Um, the most important thing you can do is to share the link to our podcast with your family and friends. So whether you're on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you're using for your podcast, feel free to share our podcast with your family and friends. We would love for more to get more listeners and to hear from more of you. Um, you feel free to email us at contactspiritedspirits at gmail.com. We love to hear stories from you all, and we want to gather a great collection of listener stories that we can eventually share on a future podcast. Also follow us on Instagram at spirited underscore spirits underscore podcast and on Twitter at spirited spirits. And we just recently signed up for buy me a coffee, which is a way you can donate to our podcast. So we will include that on our link tree, which we have included on our Instagram. So feel free to check that out and see what you think. We really appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening. And now back to the show. Doe becomes increasingly paranoid, fearing infiltrators in the group and fearing a government raid on Heaven's Gate. He started to become obsessed with the apocalypse, telling his followers that the Earth was getting ready to be rebooted due to the failed experiment of humanity. Like a computer. Yes. Okay. He would tell them that an opposing force of extraterrestrials called the Luciferians oh, shit. were going to thwart the mission of Heaven's Gate. Like Satan? Yes. So he's clearly, because of his background with like Presbyterianism and like religious background, I think I have actually heard of the Luciferians. Maybe it's been on um, Ancient Aliens. I So the, it's very interesting. And then we're going to kind of, let me, let me say this next part. And okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I have questions, but go ahead. So as the group approached the 90s, they became more and more reclusive, staying out of the public eye altogether. Very few people at this point knew they existed until 1992, where they broadcasted a 12-video series by satellite. During this time, membership like dwindled to about 26 followers, but due to the fact like they started to start to almost like have propaganda out, they mm -hmm. started getting a little bit more followers then. Doe continued to speak on the suppression of earthly desires, especially sex. And at one point, Doe and seven others opted to be surgically castrated as a sign of being devout. Interesting. Okay, so it's almost like... Okay, go ahead, because I have, I have thoughts. Right. So they had difficulty finding a willing surgeon. However, they did find one in Mexico. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. Dose take was that sex was the most powerful force keeping a human being here on Earth. So if you take that away, you can ascend to the next level. Hmm. He told his followers that Luciferians had two genders where they should just have one. He also instructed them to have matching haircuts, clothes, and uh, like kind of cement themselves as a non-sexual fa- like family. Okay. Okay. Thoughts? Um, I have a lot of thoughts. <laughs> Still processing. Okay. Yeah, I just don't know what I should and shouldn't say. I so because of the again, like going back his his background in Presbyterianism and his dad being religious and kind of like his parents rejecting him for his homosexuality. To me, it sounds like he's ashamed of that, and so he he's banning yes. sex as a way of like preventing himself from engaging in these urges he's having. Well, I have I have a bunch of theories. Okay, on, yeah. On, so we we'll get on that. Okay. In 1996, Doe and the followers of Heaven Skate rented a mansion in Ranchero, Santa Fe, California for $7,000 a month. Damn. And this was in the 90s. $7,000 a month. Right. And it was a mansion. Yes, it was a mansion. It's a hell of a craft. Yeah. <laughs> they recorded the videos instructing followers that this was the last chance to vacate Earth as a hail bop comet was approaching our solar system. Doe told his followers that T was aboard a spacecraft hiding in the tail of the comet. The group starts making their preparations for their journey, buying black t-shirts, black sweatpants, and new black and white Nike decades. What? Yes, so um, Doe was also a huge fan of Nike, and it was really interesting why. Do you know why he was a big fan of Nike? No, why? What was Nike's big, like, slogan? Just do it? So they wouldn't say just do it. They would say just do it. Oh my God. And they loved it. He loved it because he, he thought that Nike had made that about him. So there's a bit of narcissistic personality disorder here. A bit. <laughs> so, <laughs> what? Right. Oh my God. Okay, go right. ahead. So they had armband patches made that read Heaven's Gate Away Team as if they were rocketing off to another planet on the Enterprise. Wow. On March 19th, 20th of 1997 doe recorded doe's final exit discussing how mass suicide was the only way to evacuate the earth 39 followers agreed to commit suicide with doe believing that the spaceship in the tail of the comet would whisk their souls away from earth wow um well first of all is it hail bop or why did i think it was haley bop or is am i confusing a different comet i think you're confusing it with like haley's comet yeah okay sorry i for some reason i thought it was haley um okay and so there's a spaceship in the tail hiding in the tail of the comet yes but like i don't know like um what are you thinking telescopes and stuff didn't catch that like no like that wasn't like well that was the thing we, like astronomers that are like researching and keeping track of comets they just missed but again going on like cult control they probably didn't look that look that far they probably just believed what doe said because he's on the spaceship and he has a one-way way of communicating with t we're looking at like 20 or 30 years of indoctrination no i know so i, I mean know. it's not like it's it's not like a three-month thing oh yeah you gotta commit suicide now this is like 20 
years. And like some people. But things escalated after she passed. Yes. That's the thing is that after she passed, it really starts to spiral. He starts to scramble to fix the doctrine into what he needs it to be to keep his family around. Right. Um, And. and Because he needs validation from some family. He needs validation that he's loved. And so this is what he is. This is what he is. Okay. Okay. The members took a mixture of phenobarbital, applesauce, or pudding, and washed it down with vodka over a period of three days and three separate assisted mm. shifts. Which means that there were three separate groups of followers. The first 15 were assisted in ingesting the concoction. A bag would be placed over their head and tied tightly until they asphyxiated, and their body would be laid out in the same position, faced up, with a bag removed and a small purple blanket placed over them covering their top half. Wait, wait. Okay. So we did the, f- the phenobarbital mm-hmm. vodka, mm-hmm. but in case that didn't work, then they also put the bag over the head for so asphyxiation? So phenobarbital is an anti-seizure medication. Um, and so, oh, so it relaxed the body. It just relaxed enough so they fall asleep, and then the bag is placed over their head so they just... To help them. So to just, like, they, they go to sleep, and then they're not breathing because they don't have oxygen. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's like, they're not struggling mm-hmm. because if, if you were to be asphyxiated, you would try and struggle and stop it from Correct. happening. Correct. So it puts them in a deep sleep. Okay. And then they put the bag over their head so they don't breathe anymore. Okay. This occurred between March 22nd and March 26th per police reporting. With Applewhite being one of the last, like, it, it, okay, so it's he's either in the second group or the final group, okay? Okay. He was assisted by followers who then both assisted each other, and they were the only ones left with bags on their heads. The last two. Yeah, the last two were, were found with bags over their heads and not in, like, the laid out position with the blanket over them. Okay. Among the dead was Thomas Nichols. Brother of actress Nichelle Nichols, who's known for Aurora in the original series, original Star Trek what? series. Yes, yeah. So her brother was part of the people that died. Fascinating. How did he even get involved in that? I mean, I I think again, like everyone is searching for something and can get whipped up very quickly in something like this. Interesting. Huh. Okay. On March 25th, 1997, Rio D'Angelo, a former Heaven's Gate follower, received a package from Applewhite and his followers with videotapes of Doe's final exit, each follower's goodbye messages, and a letter. Hmm. D'Angelo informed his boss of the package in a letter and asked for a ride from his home in Los Angeles to the Ranchero, uh, Santa Rancho. Fe, Rancho, sorry, Santa Fe um, address on the letter. D'Angelo found an open door in the back of the mansion and used a video camera to tape what he found. After leaving the scene, his boss convinced him to call the authorities, which he did anonymously. Oh, and that letter? Mm-hmm. The last lines read, we exited our vehicles just as we entered them. Okay, and vehicles, they mean body. Yes. Like you're, so like, you know, Christians, we, we call our bodies our temples or whatever, and so they're saying it's a vehicle mm-hmm. because it's just housing their it's just housing extraterrestrial spirit. soul. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so what are your thoughts? Well, I have a lot of thoughts, and like I should say that we kind of prepared for this episode by watching 
on HBO Max, there is a documentary uh, that has a lot more information uh, in the aftermath of um, this this thing, this this cult, this incident, and what happened with the suicides. Um, what's the name of the documentary? Is it just? It's called Heaven's Gate. I think the Cult of Cults. Yeah, the Cult of. And Cults. also, this is um, actually the reason why I picked this because you know, kind of going off the last cult I did, which was Scientology. But this is considered the um, largest mass suicide on U.S. Mm-hmm. soil in history. But because Jonestown was not on. US Jonestown soil. was not on U.S. soil. Yeah. So I have a lot of thoughts. Um, And these are just my ideas and opinions. But I do think that this man couldn't reconcile with the fact that he was gay. And because he was rejected by his family, he created his new family. Mm -hmm. And he created a religion, regardless of whether or not you want to believe it's a religion. But it's it clearly has some theological. It has a belief structure. It um, from what I understood from the documentary, in addition to the extraterrestrial bullshit, it also had kind of a religious Christianity piece. So he had pulled from Christianity, the Bible, talking about revelation with him being the, him and T were the two witnesses that were, were talked about in revelation. And so he's clearly used things he's learned from his background and he's adapted them to suit his purposes. Right. And I think, and it's really, it's kind of a sad story if you think about it. Because the more I researched it, I, I kind of was sad. Because the reason why is because you think about it, is that he's rejected by his dad, who he wants to be like. He mm-hmm. al- he always said that he wanted to be a minister just like his dad. So well, he became one. He just, right. not but he, so, in the same way. So he is rejected by his family. He leaves. He has nobody. And so he's constantly kind of trying to find like that love and affection and family so then he finds nettles who maybe was his nurse in us while he was having a psychotic break so she's probably the only one at that point that is like nurturing to him mm-hmm. and so i don't know what she was dealing with where she felt like yeah this is totally what i need to do here but she left everything to go with him and she left a dollar daughter behind mm-hmm. that she never really talked to you again. Um, well, she wrote letters. She wrote we letters, saw that yes. in the documentary that she does continue to write letters to her daughter, right. regardless of the fact that she doesn't actually see her daughter again. Right. So, um, so the thing that that's, you know, kind of his whole thing is that he's like trying to find his family or people that will, or his flock. He always calls them his flock. Mm-hmm. Well, Jesus was a shepherd. He would call people his, yes. So I think, and so he also, I think, believed he was Jesus at one point. Oh, that's right. He did. He did say he was like the second coming of Jesus. Yes. So his, his, his ideologies and his frame of like, that's why it's so confusing is because he starts off saying, oh, well, we we're aliens and we're going to take you to the next level. We'll know we're actually these two witnesses that are going to be stoned to death in front of everybody. And And then then we're going to rise up into a spacecraft. Well, no, I'm actually the second coming of Christ, but I'm actually an alien. And then he's like, well, no, T's dead now. And she, her spirit, not her body, but her spirit was ascended. And so now here's this comet that's coming with a spaceship and she's on there physically, not just spiritually. So you see how like the thing changes 
to suit his needs. Right. Like you said, the, mm-hmm. the um, cognitive dissonance. Rice. Right. Rice. Rice. <laughs> um, so it's it's just, um, it's sad. Like, I remember when we watched the, the documentary, the people's faces, the followers, it just made me sad to see them. They're because... still kind of in it. Like, theologically or like um and he's they're still indoctrinated into you're talking it. about the surviving followers the right? surviving followers are yes. still they almost there's a level of guilt there that they didn't continue right. so, on with the you know one the thing, teachings and do the, and commit suicide as well yeah one thing i did not put in my research which we just you know we finished the documentary is that um there were some followers that had left the group before they committed suicide mm-hmm. um that ended up committing suicide afterward which i didn't know about because, that or tried to commit suicide one guy survived but then he did he did it again yeah so but they committed suicide because they were like we need to catch up to our classroom oh Who, yeah they because they called themselves a classroom yeah we need class. we need to catch up with them because they've already left for the next level so it's just very like you know the whole indoctrination piece um it it really does remind me of Scientology, like when I was doing the mm-hmm. research. Um, but I feel like, and we had this discussion earlier, is that the difference is that with Heaven's Gate, there was no money component in this. Like they were broke. They got by on people's like trust they funds. They were drifters and stuff like for that. a while, for where, a long time. Yeah, where Scientology is just like, give me all your money, mm-hmm. like as much as possible. Um and they, I don't know if they would say, "Hey, let's do a mass suicide," because then they wouldn't have wouldn't have any money coming in, right? So, um, I feel like this one felt, and this is going to sound really weird, but I felt like this cult compared to Scientology felt more uh, genuine. That sounds weird to say, but what I mean is, these people truly believed what they were doing. They had um, innocent reasons for doing what they were doing Mm -hmm. they felt like they were actually bettering themselves by being involved in this i think scientology people do that too no i don't at all oh you don't Uh -uh. like their followers no i think there's um i'll i'll talk about that in a second so i feel like with um heaven's gate they truly it was like a monk they were all monks like it was like a monastery okay and they were celibate they were uh, and, and there was one guy who left because he couldn't be celibate. Like, he kept masturbating, he said, and he couldn't stop. And he felt like he failed because mm-hmm. he, he he couldn't help himself. Um, and with the castration stuff, they were trying to prevent themselves from engaging in those activities. So I feel like there's a level, level of, like, genuine, like, just trying to better themselves and be better people. I feel like with Scientology, it has become, like, a status symbol okay so in hollywood i feel like when you are involved in scientology and with all the money that's flowing through that place Mm -hmm. it is very much a status symbol and i think there's power and control and you're able to probably if you're an actor or actress who's involved in scientology you are going to get better roles. Look at Tom Cruise. You're going to be the top tier of like actors because you're involved in Scientology. They've got your back. They, you know, if there's an issue, they're going to make sure they protect you and keep in. I think that's what's happened with Tom Cruise. They've like, hell, they even like 
hooked him up with a wife, right? Like they take care of their people because it's all about control and power and money. I don't think that's really clearly what Heaven's Gate was. Right. I don't, even though there was a level of control there for a while, I mean, Doe and T just kind of like, here's the, here's what we're telling you now go and do what you want to do. And the right. blind leading the blind, right? Right. There, there wasn't as much control. Now I understand later on there was a little bit more control and they were encouraging things. Well, I think that the whole control thing, I think comes pretty quickly after T dies. Mm -hmm. um, after she dies, I think Doe realizes that oh like my family is going to leave me at some point so i need to lock in and have everybody like as close to me as possible how do i do that i need to control them as much as possible right um i need them to see me as more than a man i'm a god and so he at that yeah. point that's when he really starts to do the more culty stuff mm -hmm. um where it's you know the whole castration piece. I think it is the it's the big one. Because it wasn't that actually one of the other members who suggested the castration. It wasn't Doe. Right. Yeah. It was one of the other members who was like, "We got to make sure we're not having any sexual urges." Right. And I think he eats that up because, again, also the other thing too is he hates himself for being gay. for his sexuality. And so yes. I think that's the other thing too is like if you. If he hates himself so much for his sexuality and he's projecting that on the group members saying, well, I hate myself for my sexuality. So if you're supposed to be in my image because I'm God, you should also hate yourself for your sexual desires. Mm -hmm. So this idea of castration is great. And the whole gender piece, too. Like we're all going to look the same, dress mm -hmm. the same. Because then if we do that, then there's no sexual desire. Right. Right. So it's very, it's very fascinating how... You know, it's it's quite a few years. It's from the 70s to the 90s. Before. It was like 20 some odd years yes. that they were in. And it starts off in a way where it's just like, okay, like these people are just the UFO people. Like they're just, they believe they're going to be taken to a UFO. And then it, as and I, I really do think that the catalyst event is when Nettle dies. Right, T. When T, T dies. When T dies. That's what sends him spiraling even more than he's ever spiraled before. He's trying to control all of them. And that's that's how it goes to where it went. If she was still alive during that time, I don't think that would have happened because I think that she would have reeled him in. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She she probably so, would have. But um, should we mention the fact that it's now been a year since our right. podcast has been It going? has been a year. <laughs> so... Okay, so it's been a year. What what would you say you've learned in a year of being a podcaster? Well, first of all, so real quick, um, I think that we should actually talk about why we started the podcast because I don't think we've ever really covered that. Okay. Um, I um, for years I was listening to podcasts and getting really interested in. Um, of course, I love all things spooky and you know true crime. Um, and I just kept saying, I could do this. I could do this with my background in journalism. I could do this. Right. And, um, we, um, in my background of psychology, I could also be helpful. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we had been talking about the idea and then we went to maker's mark for my birthday, mm -hmm. which I just had my birthday. Yay. <laughs> we did not go to maker's mark this year though. Nope. 
Um, but we went to Maker's Mark last year for my birthday and it was a blast. And we learned that it was kind of had some haunted um, history, although they don't really talk about it. They don't, it's not something they really want to brag about. Not really. But it got me thinking, why don't we do a spooky podcast and talk right. about ghosts and all things creepy and true crime and, and yeah. So we just decided to go ahead and give it a go and. Now, a year later? I know. It's crazy. <laughs> so, again, my, my question to you again was, like, we've... What have we learned? What have you learned in this year of being a podcaster? Well, I mean, we've already talked a little bit. I think... Did we, did we talk a little bit about this in the year wrap-up one where I need, I need a script? Mm-hmm. It's important for me to have something laid out in front of me. I've done the research. Like, as a journalist, like, I do the research. I find my sources. I write my script, I know what I want to say, and then I feel more confident because yeah. if I'm just like right now, I'm just like <laughs> flying off the cuff, right? Um, and kind of improving what I'm it's just it feels um like I'm tripping over my words or I'm Oh see I trip you know, over my words when I have a script. Which is funny. <laughs> so... It's funny <laughs> that we're so different in that way. But I, I have to have a script and I as I'm writing the script, I'm practicing. I'm saying it out loud. I'm um, and, and so it makes it more conversational if I'm able to go back and say, oh, I don't like the way that sounded. So then I delete and I go back and rewrite. So to me, um, it's been a blast, like doing the research, um, writing the script. It brings me back to my college days when I was a producer of a newscast, a 30 minute live newscast. Um, and I also did some radio when I was at my college. And so I really enjoyed that piece of it. And I've learned a lot, I think, just kind of growing in the research piece and the writing piece and and some of the performing piece. I feel like, in, you know, here I am speaking into a mic, editing myself, right. um, using audio equipment. And so I've learned a lot. I th- it's been fun. Right. What do you think? Uh, well, I think a couple of things. One, um, I've learned a lot about kind of how a script needs to flow mm-hmm. and i kind of i have i think you have a certain way of how a script flows for your episodes and mine flows a little bit differently mm-hmm. uh which i think is fun i think that's great mm-hmm. um i think it's you know it's still fun i think that's the one thing that we need to make sure that it's still fun yeah um we're and, doing this for fun we're not doing this for money yeah we're not getting money for this. this is this is like <laughs> This is a hobby. This is not... Right. We've been saying that the whole time. This is not meant to be a, a full-time job for us. No. We have full-time jobs. Um, so I think, and I think that's where, where the struggle comes in sometimes, is trying finding to... Finding time. Finding time to write a script research and stuff like that. But I mm-hmm. think when... My thing is, is when I research and I start writing the script, I kind of get into it. And I get like those moments where I'm like taking some time, like a lunch break from work or something, and I'm like pounding out a script mm-hmm. for the next episode. Or you're having a guy's night and I'm researching or writing or doing right. something. Yeah. So yeah. So, yeah. so it's been it's been fun. And thank you all so much for those of you who have followed us and listened and continue to support our podcast. We're so interactive with us. We've gotten some emails and like responses yes. on um our instagram and stuff like that so we do appreciate the engagement of people um if you know please continue to do that (laughs) yes we would love to hear from more of you we would love to do a listener tales kind of thing where we hear from folks and 
or April to feature you all on the podcast. That would be great. So, listeners, what do you think of the Heaven's Gate cult? Do you have any ideas for a future cult-related story that Drew should potentially talk about? I'm really into cults. He really likes cults. It's the psychology Well, not like I don't like cults. You like to research and talk about. I like to research and talk about cults because they're very fascinating to me. So, remember, you can email us at contactspiritedspirits at gmail.com let us know if you have any of your own paranormal stories or experiences um any ideas for things we should cover on the podcast please email us that'd be wonderful um don't forget to follow us on twitter at spirited spirits and on instagram that's where our cocktail is for tonight at spirited underscore spirits underscore podcast and um, thanks yeah. for listening. Yeah. And we hope you enjoyed tonight's episode. We also hope that you enjoy us next week or whenever we post because sometimes <laughs> we're behind on that. Yeah. Sorry. And um, while we talk about spirits and while we sip on spirits. Bye. Bye.